0: what can I physically with my hands do about it? Or can I wrap my mind around a solution? And if not, I write those off so easily. Like I just, oh, that, that must be a lost cause. I'll pray for you. You know, like, um, maybe that's the reason we fold our hands in prayers.
1: Cause prayer is the thing we do when we don't know what to do with our hands. Maybe. Oh, I like that
0: bumper sticker material <laughs> <exactly>. right there. <laughs> what do I do like? Welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grody, Chief Operating Officer here at the Coming Home Network International, bringing you another discussion this week about our daily task of growing in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining me on this show. Now this week I have another good discussion to share with you between myself and my brother, Father Peter Grody. We've been talking a lot over this past year about the virtues, and uh, he was in recently uh, over the summer. Actually, it wasn't super recently. It was a little while ago now. The point is, though, it's a good discussion about spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle. Um, I shared with him, uh, I've been thinking lately about how I have this tendency. I talked a little bit last episode, this tendency to slip into this activist sort of life where I, even in my prayer, I, I end up very active but not really receiving from the Lord. Um, and I also noticed my proclivity for, even though I can talk a good game about relying on uh, the Lord's power and talking about the power of prayer and the reality of the spiritual battle, I'm just noticing different ways in which my my action doesn't match up to my speech in that regard. And so I wanted to talk that over with him. Do I really believe in the power of prayer? Do I really believe that, as we see throughout the New Testament, that um, that, that prayer is powerful and that Again, through God's grace, because of his His will, he chooses to work through our prayers, through our sacrifices. Again, that's all throughout the New Testament. The, the early Christians believed in that power, and they acted it out. I don't know if i do the same, so I wanted to get Father Peter's take on that. It was a good discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Peter, I've been looking forward all week to talking to you about this. We're recording. Are we? Yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> Sorry. I've been excited. I bet it's been on my heart this whole yeah. week. So, let me tell you how this began. Okay. So, last week, I was on Friday, I think I was sitting down and I was reading Butler's Lives of the Saints. I read the saint of the day. It was Saint Francis of like Cocoricho or something like that. I am not really sure how to pronounce it. <laughs> Somebody's really But he was, one of, these, <laughs> he was one of these He was one of these saints, you know, a thousand a thousand odd years ago, more than that, you mm. know. And sometimes you read these, these like brief condensed biographies of, of the lives of the early Christians. And they're just kind of crazy people, right? Mm. You know, like their prayer, their fasting, their acts of penance, the, just the crazy things they got themselves into, but their perseverance in the end. And I i, I mean, there was a lot in that particular story, but one of the things that, that jumped out at me was this guy and his companions and how as a group, as a group of, of brothers in the faith, Um, the things they did, uh, you know, the the penances that they did, the prayers they did, and how seriously they took the spiritual world, the spiritual battle that we're all in. And I, I got thinking about that afterwards in context of my own life, in context of groups that I'm in, just about, you know, it's so easy as Christians to talk comfortably about, you know, oh, it's all God's grace and you know the, the reality of the spiritual world around us, and you know a, a few scriptures here, right? Ephesians 6:11. put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Okay? It's no secret in the New Testament that Christ is calling us to recognize, the reality of what's going on around us invisibly, um, and it's it's so easy and comfortable to talk about that. But I just began reflecting about how there's such a division between that kind of talk and the way I actually think and act in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we use the terms like the spiritual battle or spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. typically Catholics and I don't wonder if those terms. Show up in other Christian circles. Maybe they have different terminology for it—deliverance ministry or that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I but think it, so. It tends to come up in the context mm-hmm. of like extreme circumstances, mm-hmm. like when someone's got a demon in their house, or they've got this terrible faith crisis, and so we're like <laughs> there's praying another, for that. There's
1: another gate in the house.
0: <laughs> another gate. in <laughs> Another. G- <laughs> but we tend to take this or at least theoretically we would imagine we would take the spiritual battle the spiritual warfare seriously in those circumstances but i just began reflecting about how as i th- when i when i get up in the morning and i look at my day i look at my life or i get together with you and and talk about you know our life in christ you know and the things that i'm wrestling with or I talk about it with my brothers and my men's group at how i evaluate I can say those things, but I still evaluate my life in terms of what I can get my hands in and what I can get my mind around. And I only secondarily, oh, yeah, I'll, pr- I'll also pray for this. I'll also, you know, like pray that God fixes this too. Mm-hmm. But I just began reflecting on how there, there's a there's a conundrum there. There's a conflict there between what I say, what I believe, and how I actually act mm-hmm. in that how— um, again, in the way that I look at my problems, the way I look that I, uh, at things that God's calling me to tackle in my life, and then um, how I I still rely so heavily on my own ability uh, and my own wit to fix those things.
1: If we just, if, if all, all we need to do is turn to prayer more in the sense of when, when we transit. Right. When it comes to correcting that mindset, and I say that not because I'm denigrating prayer at all. I say that because of our faultiness when it comes to those things, Mm -hmm. uh, turning to prayer more can become in in different ways, can simply become another way of just relying on our own initiative. Sure. Where it can be, well, yeah, if, if I, um, prayer can become kind of like a, just sort of a, uh, a manifestation uh, a manifest destiny or a manifestation of one's own kind of uh initiative so it's like well if i if i say this many prayers you know like then i'm i'm i become kind of like a Nothing wrong with these terms, but used in the wrong way. I become a, sp- a prayer warrior, and it becomes more about kind of the amount of ammunition I am pumping at the end <laughs> in the form of Hail Marys. It actually, like, loses the touch of the prayer And that probably fits
0: it. what maybe some people think about Catholics outside the yeah, church. Yeah, you know, sure. for sure. In terms of, like, rote prayers and right. repetition. But
1: like the same can happen in regard to a different way that I sometimes see people mm-hmm. sort of without – without kind of the right qualification can sort of prescribe a kind of a fix to that situation. One of those is that it's been a big uh, in certain circles has been a big push these days and it's good. It's it's very good. Is that when people say something and we usually would say, Well, I'll pray for you. Mm-hmm. Is to, you know, is to not do that. Basically just to pray for them with them right there. Right say, so, Can then I pray then. with you right then there? Yeah. That's great. But what that can also then be is, for some people, it can be that the power that what that can translate into, and I've seen this happen mm-hmm. sometimes in myself. Mm-hmm. I try not to judge other people based upon that, but I right. just know it can happen because the devil works in a certain way. And mm-hmm. so I never say that person's doing it, but it does happen, you know. Yeah. Right? Which is that. The power of the prayer lies in the power of the influence of my words right, in this, this person hearing them right now. Yeah, right. This little homily that I'm yeah. Giving this them, little yeah. middle homily I'm giving in my prayer, you know. Right. Um, and so it, we yeah. just have to yeah it, yeah. It, it, those are f- further manifestations of the fact that like yeah, we're, the way that we treat prayer isn't you know, right. So the way that we often treat prayer is not <laughs> the way. Yeah. That, there's the, there's a there's a lot of subtleties here.
0: It. Yeah. Those, those are definitely a couple of pitfalls. I'll, I'll try to describe more like what like what I, what I notice in myself is that, um, you know, I think about, you know, so if, I, if there's a, a personal problem I have in my life, you know, some you know, vice I'm trying to break or some virtue I'm trying to build, or if there's a certain relationship in my life that has problems, a certain person has problems in my life, you know, or a friend is talking about, you know, a, a certain relationship or a, a child or something, something they're struggling with. Again, like one of the things that occurred to me is that when I when I hear those, when I see those in myself or I hear those in other people, my lens for evaluating them, my, my lens honestly for how much I even really care about those things is sort of influenced by me asking like, well, can I do anything about it? Well, no. So, and what I mean is, but can I, can I physically do something about it? If I look at a problem in my life or I look at somebody's concern in my life, um, I, if I can't like get my hands in it or I can't get my head around how to tell them how to fix it, then I'll I'll kind of say vaguely, oh, I'm I'll, I'll definitely praying for you. And I don't think much more about it because insofar, in terms of my heart, where my heart is, insofar as I can help with that situation or, or not, I've already concluded I can't do anything mm-hmm. important. So I kind of write it off. And maybe I vaguely remember it in my prayer time the next day. Oh yeah, and God bless so-and-so, whatever. But it just like when you, when you do a search in the New Testament for prayer or for praying. Like Christ and the apostles and the apostles' apostles or the the disciples' mm-hmm. disciples, you know, the, the Christians of the New Testament, they took the spiritual battle very seriously and this this constant praying and intentional praying, praying and fasting about something, like they're getting mm-hmm. ready for a decision. They're getting ready to lay their hands on somebody to ordain somebody or, or we have the situation where the disciples come to Christ and they ask, "Why couldn't we cast out the demon?" He's like, "You told us to go cast out demons." And he's like, "Well, some some of them that you need, they need prayer and fasting." Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's and again, my point here is is just like, an, it's so easy to talk about the spiritual battle, um, and the spiritual realities of of the things around us, but to not actually have that translate into thought and action. Mm-hmm. And so, I, one question I wanted to put out there, I was just thinking about all the week, is like, is it true in a sense that all of the problems we see around us? inside and outside and other people's lives that in in some sense, they're all spiritual problems before they're material problems in a certain sense. Hmm. Because even like the problems I have in my life, even that are purely physical, like I'm sick or I'm hurt or whatever. Well, what makes it so problematic is that I am not the sort of person who can suffer well, (laughs) you know? (laughs) You know, like I I don't trust God very well. And so as soon as something happens, I'm like, God, why is this happening? Oh my gosh, you know? Mm -hmm. Versus, when I'm able to rely on God, even the physical problems, even the material difficulties we face become opportunities for grace rather than for despair. Right. So I, would you say, I mean, it seems like an extreme statement, but I'm trying to think about it here. Like in some sense, it's it seems to be in accord with what we see in scripture and what we say all the time that the, the, the problems around us, they all are spiritual problems in a certain sense. And, Um. we, well, I guess as I say, it seems like we often put the practical first and use that as our lens and then only secondarily, and I think in the end, almost as an add on an afterthought, do we, do we uh, see God's movement in those things in our, in our prayer as our way of participating in those things as important. I see that in myself Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering about it. You know, I was, and I was thinking of some of the examples of people in my life who've, you know, they've got a family member who's going down a bad road or they're, they're sick. And I, and I look at it through the lens of, can I do anything physically about this or can I give them an, an advice? No. Well, then there's nothing really I can do about it. Mm-hmm. So I vaguely pray for them. Rather than, I mean, Christ tells us to, to pray for what we need, to ask the mm-hmm. Father for what we need, to, to, to ask and to seek and to knock and to have faith that the, the, the Father will do something. We don't know what that is all the time. Mm-hmm. But, but, like, this is a classic Christian conundrum, right? Like, Christ tells us to pray and pray confidently and mm-hmm. pray intentionally and that it has pray power. Pray expectantly. Yeah, pray expectantly. expectantly. I don't do that, Father Peter. What do I do about that? I don't pray expectantly. <laughs> and I'm convicted. to <laughs> do of- it. <laughs>
1: Do it, just, man. Just stop. Stop not doing it and stop. do it.
0: Let me write this down. Yeah, Stop yeah. not doing. it. Make sure
1: you get the number of negatives <laughs> in there. That's appropriate. Because not, not doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on one sense, we, if we really have to face up to that question, how can we say we could do anything? How can we? How could we answer any differently? Yeah. yeah. In the sense of, I mean, like, you know, if someone says, says, like Should we pray expectantly? Should we pray expecting that God's going to do anything about it?" And it's like, well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. That's the right answer. Right. Is a yes. Yeah. But on the other hand, then it's like, but, but what about the times when it doesn't seem like God does anything about it? And then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about those times? You know? And it's like, well, where do you stand on this? But, but that. Yeah. For for us, it comes down to whether it's it's a faith problem in the sense of not just about. It's not a faith problem in the sense that we need more faith, and then if we have more faith, then God will do something. It's not a question necessarily of if we have more faith, then God will do something. Uh-huh. At least this is my conjecture about it. But yeah, It's the question of <laughs> do, we, do we have faith that God does things when mm-hmm. we pray? And if we do have faith that he does things when we pray, even if we can't see them, mm-hmm. then that should be the motivation to keep praying for it, mm-hmm. I keep praying for things, rather than being the person who then, like, does it for a little while, you know, prays, you know, prays for certain people, and then it doesn't seem like God does anything about it, and so the next time something comes wrong, we don't necessarily make an active choice, but mm-hmm. we sl- subtly just turn more towards what things I need to do about it, rather than how can I pray mm-hmm. to God. Now, prayer needs to be the baseline. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that we should be able to do about all the things Mm -hmm. while there's only certain things that we can actually take action about in our life. And so because of that, there's a tendency to feel like our action is a more significant kind of portion, you know, because some things we only can pray about and -hmm. some things we can pray about and take action about. But the problem is that, yeah, just because it's the baseline, it's in a sense the easier thing. It's really not. It's very tough, but it's very tough often to pray well for things. But... But just because it's, in a sense, simpler, it feels less important. But it's not.
0: You know? And part of what convicts me about this is that I've actually. I, I've had so many times in my life mm-hmm. when I actually have submitted and kind of like tried to take that seriously and pray specifically for something and expectantly ab- ab- about a situation. Mm-hmm that something has happened, you know, and again, it, God answers prayers in all sorts of ways. Sometimes you change, sometimes that person change, sometimes sometimes the answer to prayer is just that like a situation that just seemed like a, a mess, a muddle in your mind suddenly became clear when you finally prayed through it a little while. I think just about all the times in my life when I've really prayed expectantly about a situation, something happened. I don't think I've often prayed about those impossible situations because.
1: There's a fear.
0: There's a fear. There's a
1: fear that God won't show up, I think. Yeah. There's And there's also a fear that God will show up. Yeah, yeah. That for me, I know I like that in situations. Mm-hmm. That one hand, there's a fear that God won't show up. That, you know, if you kind of put yourself out there in front of him and he doesn't seem to show that you'll just get angry and frustrated and you don't oh. want to get angry and frustrated with God. Yeah. The other hand is a fear that he will show up. And that, then that's going to require things of me, and that's right. going to push me in a way maybe that I don't want to be pushed towards he's going to answer in a way that I don't really necessarily like. and mm-hmm. Sort of a fear of, uh, an unhealthy fear of God in the sense that He's he has his own will that is not my will. Yeah. And if I pray his will be done, it actually might be done. And yeah. that's kind of scary sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about it this past week, just about, you know, when— when something presents itself to me as okay this this is a priority i need to fix this or need to like this thing in my life or someone's life who's close to me this needs attention and again convicted at how first of all i evaluate those things so frequently just in terms of well can I, what what can i physically with my hands do about it or can i wrap my mind around a solution and if not i write those off so easily like i just oh that that must be a lost cause i'll pray for you you know like um, maybe that's
1: the reason we fold our hands in prayers, because prayer is a thing we do when we don't know what to do with our hands. Maybe,
0: oh, I like that bumper sticker material <laughs> I right exactly. there. <laughs>
1: what do I do like?
0: But but here's the other side of that too. So many of the things that I, I can kind of get my hands in, and my mind around, I still, throughout my life, I go into and I remain in at a place of anxiety mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm I'm relying on myself so much. And again, my, my one of my thoughts coming out of this was like, why why don't I start things. In a different order. (laughs) When I recognize a problem, and maybe I can widen my lens a bit or perhaps narrow it, my purview for the problems I consider to be the things I should be concerned about. (laughs) You know, even the situations in my family or close friends that I can't see a way through, I can't give any helpful advice, I can't, like, oh, do something to fix. But if I if I if I reverse the order of things and I said, you know, f- first these things are spiritual problems before they're practical problems. And if if I took that seriously and I believed in the power of prayer, the expectant prayer and and other things connected to prayer too. Like, I mean, again, we have the saints in the, the New Testament. They're constantly fasting about things, mm-hmm. you know, they're fasting for each other or for an intention or to prepare for a thing. You know, our our acts of sacrifice, our acts of abstinence and fasting for things, we can offer those, not because our sacrifices on their own mean much, but because mm-hmm. united to Christ, they have power, and that's mm-hmm. what we receive from the New Testament. If I took that seriously, then why wouldn't I start with those things from a place of how am I going to pray expectantly for this? How perhaps am I going to unite some of my suffering or some dis- discomfort in my life or maybe maybe fast you know, with this intention in mind, why don't I start there and then as a as a second step ask Lord and and in what ways might you be calling me to act or to speak in this situation? Mm-hmm. How would that change the way I see things and the way I go about things and perhaps the way that things turn out? Mm-hmm. Because another thing that I, I recognize too is that when because I always start things from the other end, the reverse order, I, I think of how can I act and speak first and then Lord, if I need any help I'll pray for some help. But what that also means is that as soon as I get frustrated in those projects or get discouraged or I I run into a roadblock, well, I give up because I was relying on myself the whole time. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I start it from a place of reliance on God, of saying, Lord, this is first your problem that I'm coming to you for help for, that I'm praying for, that I'm offering for, and only secondarily am I going to try to act and be open to the ways you might be calling me to act, I think I'd be able to proceed forward in those problems, those projects, staying more prudent. And that's part of prudence here, right? Starting prudent, but then like as things get bewildering, as something happens, you don't expect to stay prudent, to stay tending to reality. I think if I started from a place, uh, that place of prayer, like taking the spiritual reality more seriously, I think I'd be able to proceed forward and not get sort of waylaid Mm -hmm. when I experience discouragement, if that makes any sense. Hmm.
1: I'm always struck, um, constantly, and being struck over and over by the significance of, well, just of the liturgy. Mm-hmm. And by the liturgy, I mean like the, our sacramental celebrations. You mm-hmm. know, our, our prescribed ritual celebrations that, in a particular way, are meant to be the avenues of the grace of Christ into our lives. But in a particular way, like what is the the life. The life of the liturgy, the flow of our liturgical life, where we move from, you know, Sunday Mass, where we all gather together, and then we flow back out into our lives, and we look at the deep mystical meaning of, especially the sacrifice of the Mass, and what we, what we do there. One of the things that we talk about when it comes to the liturgy mm-hmm. is lex orandi, lex credendi, the law of prayer is the law of faith, the law of belief. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, what we do in prayer in the liturgy that has been handed down and kind of deepened, even as it's changed, is really just gonna kind of become a deepening and kind of a concretizing of certain principles. But those things, they really, they're not just sort of isolated kind of elements that only hold meaning in the liturgy. You no, know, the liturgy is meant to be kind of a, a high high points kind of our of our flow of life but they're supposed to flow back out into the real world. The, the meaning of the liturgy is supposed to flow back out into the rest of the world, and then the rest of the world is supposed to be then wrapped up and brought back into the liturgy. Yeah. Not in a sense of like letting them influence each other, in a sense of kind of like stylistically, that's a whole other question. So right. what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the fact that the liturgy is supposed to be, the purpose of the liturgy and the power of the liturgy is supposed to be operative in normal life, and the things that we do in normal life should influence and be in a sense gathered together by us and brought into the liturgy to be transformed mm-hmm. um, I say all that because when it comes to it comes with this dialogue or this this conversation that we're having right now mm-hmm. about the dialogue of prayer and our own kind of activity and how to balance the one or the other or how to I don't even know how to like say exactly. It's not about sure. balancing. cuz it's just right. I mean we we all know the answer to this is pray, pray more but but you look at the liturgy. You know, what do we do at mass? The point of mass is we are bringing we are bringing our little offerings, right? The work of human hands, uniting them to Christ who is the perfect sacrifice. And in his perfect sacrifice, the little frugal Offerings that we can offer to God of our sacrifices in life, yeah. you know, our fastings, our our pains, our sorrows, our even our joys and everything, you know, all that stuff that we try to offer to God, and yet it looks so meaningless and so purposeless. You know, we bring that and we offer it to God, and we allow Him to do the work of transforming it. Right. And yeah. he, First and foremost, even though we bring that stuff there, the purpose of the liturgy, or the main, primary point in liturgy, is the work of God, mm-hmm. in that not us speaking or us doing things you yeah. know if we if we go to liturgy and we think that to participate in liturgy or to be present if we think that the most important thing that we're doing is every once in a while saying a few words if we think that's the main reason for having the liturgy mm-hmm. we don't got it right yeah. i mean the main reason for having liturgy is that jesus is doing something yeah They're a powerful thing there we are just being kind of our small participants in it mm-hmm. um and it's wonderful. It's incredible and wonderful. But the point is that the law of the liturgical practice there or mm. the, the meaning of the liturgical practice there is not is not only just like, okay, well, that's how it works there, but then we go back out to our lives or we need to take it on ourselves. You know, yeah. Really, the most important thing that we can do is to, as we go through the week, we should sort of mentally gather these things, mm. especially the people that we need to pray for. Yeah, We need to mentally gather that stuff, spiritually gather those things. And when we go to Mass, we need to take that bowl and we need to actually offer that to Christ and say, mm-hmm. Lord, like this, I offer this stuff to you to be transformed. Right. You know, I offer these people, these little things that I've tried to pray for and these little sacrifices I've tried to make and these people that have asked for prayer and all this stuff and... I'm just going to lay this at your altar, Lord, and um, and ask it that along with the bread that is turned into Jesus Christ, we ask, or the transformed and transubstantiated into Jesus Christ, I ask that this stuff be transformed as well.
0: Right. This may be sounding all really, really Catholic.
1: It is. But <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then and that's fine. I mean, that's where we're we're speaking from here. You know, it is this, this again, as we believe as Catholics, that... I mean, hopefully, all all of us Christians here would accept I mean, the power of prayer, and the fact that we need to pray expectantly. We need to pray with faith. I mean, Christ calls us to pray and ask confidently. You know, mm-hmm. in ways that boggle our mind, because none of us do it really, really well. And that, um, that so what? So our prayers have power because because of Christ, because of what He chooses to do. And that, I mean, and I mean, this this may be a little more new, but hopefully still palatable to Christians. That, you know, we take really seriously that because of Christ's suffering and death, um, our sufferings, our difficulties have meaning when we unite them to him, when we give them to him, when we cast our cares on, on Jesus. And what does it mean to cast our cares on Jesus? It means that those those cares, we unite them with Christ's suffering, and they have, they have meaning, they have power through that. Well, then in Catholics, the, the preeminent way is that in the Mass, in the Catholic Mass, that we, that that, that Christ's sacrifice is made present to us in this mystical way, and so in in, in, a, in a much more intentional way, we can bring those in the morning. Uh, our family prays this morning offering prayer, and part mm-hmm. of that prayer every morning is, uh, um, "Oh Jesus, uh, I." Well, now that I'm on the spot, I can't remember it. But the, but the, the, I unite my all the prayers, of this day, works, my prayers works joys, joys, and sorrows suffering.
1: to the sacrifice of the mass. Yeah, like so I, I offer know? yeah.
0: And so, yeah, all of that, we bring our whole life and we unite it in, you know, in spirit to Christ's sacrifice. Like, that's where it derives its meaning, its power, those things when we unite them with Christ. What's the part of the liturgy where it's um, for our good and the good of all his church? Right. And that's
1: what I made reference to is yeah. uh, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept a sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Yeah. But, um,. But that all begins, I say, That that's sure. the culmination of a sure. lot of different things. But in yeah. particular, what the priest says a little bit earlier when he, he, at the offertory, which the offertory is, you know, is when we prepare the altar for the liturgy of the Eucharist, we're preparing the altar with bringing the bread and stuff up there. And typically, there's a, a moment where the people bring forward the bread and the wine, mm-hmm. or at least a symbol, you know, like a one, one particular piece of bread and like one cup of wine, mm-hmm. a representation of the fact that this is being offered by the people, that mm-hmm. so this is as we as as the priest will be about to say when he begins the blessing, the first thing he says, Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have this bread to offer you, mm-hmm. fruit of the earth and work of human hands. Mm-hmm it will become for us the bread of life so what it, what is being taken is there is first recognition of the fact that god is the author of all things through his goodness only do we have this stuff but he's entrusted it, is given it to us and through our work we have cultivated we have kind of made something of this stuff mm-hmm. and then but through his power now it will be transformed and become the bread of life it'll be it, it, it what we are about to offer and sacrifice you know we are uh, we are a bit, we are offering back to God to be transformed and made made a perfect sacrifice because it's going to be made Jesus Christ the perfect sacrifice. But along with that, what's represented there in the offertory is not just that the people are bringing forth you know this particular piece of bread, this particular cup of wine, and, and it's been represented in different ways throughout the times of the church. There was a time where literally at that time people would bring forth like pigs and sheep <laughs> and stuff, and they would give that to the church and everything. Sure. But what what what's being represented there is what actually a saint saw a particular saint saw mystically uh, when she was at mass and she she saw at the offertory uh, uh, the, each each guardian angel came forward and carrying a bowl that yeah contained in it was like all like all of these things that were to be offered to Christ to these prayers and petitions and these sacrifices and all this different stuff their lives and was brought to the altar and was set at that altar and basically, along with what is being offered and sacrificed on that altar, Jesus Christ himself, these things are united and with him, basically, are taken up to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, The Feast of Corpus Christi this last Sunday, for one of the masses, that we used incense, and I was reminded again why I love using incense. It's not just because it smells really good. Um, but it's because like every time we incense something, it's a recognition of a few different things. This the incense is a symbol is a very powerful thing. Mm. One is just it, because of its smell, it all automatically kind of like if we use it enough times and you kind of smell it as you pray, then every time you smell it's it, you're cue. brought back into oh, yeah. it's a cue. Yeah. But the in you know in the Bible, the psalms talk about let my prayers rise to you like incense, O Lord. So there's yeah. a symbol of there being uh, a rising of our prayers to God, mm. right? Mm. The other one is that it, it 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 obscures things because of the smoke and that helps to remind us that there's a great mystery going mm-hmm. on here that we can never fully see. Mm-hmm. So we incense things in liturgy in a particular way. Um, we incense things in liturgy when we are preparing them to be offered to heaven, when we are representing prayers, kind of lifting things to heaven, mm-hmm. and when we are obscuring things. Mm. So you think of the significant times in liturgy when we incense stuff. We're going a little off topic here, but if you're okay, I'll continue. I love Plunge this. Plunge ahead. This is good. Yeah. yeah. So at the beginning of liturgy, when we're about to start the 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 whole mass. The priest begins by incensing the altar, all the way around the altar. So automatically, he's giving, uh, he's reminding us, right, right, that there's a great mystery that's about to begin here. Surrounding the altar with this mist, with this smoke, to remind us of the great mystery, but of also of basically we. The priest being the representative there and kind of being the one who is gathering the prayers of the whole church is one of the reasons the priest stands in the oran's position and why he goes back and forth yeah Yeah, and so that's one of the reasons he goes back and forth like this oftentimes you know is it it, there's a sense of a gathering of the prayers Mm -hmm. of the people um so he begins that you know in this representative of the prayers but the next particular time is at the gospel the the word the word of word of god in scripture which is a huge part of the liturgy and a huge part of our faith is smoke, you know, is given incense right. to miss that, to present a sense that there is a great mystery, even in the words of God, a great, a, a sense that even though these words are familiar to us, they should never become so familiar that they become boring, that there's, there's the power of God in those. Yeah. And then the next time, probably the most significant time, Right is that once we've prepared the altar, we've all the bread and the wine is on the altar, and we have the offertory, these symbols of the things in our life that we are offering to God, that we are putting on that altar to be transformed, just as the bread will be transformed into the body of Christ. So we ask that our things be transformed and offered and lifted up to God. Mm-hmm. And so on the bed of our prayers, you know, these things are, these things, these people that we have asked us for prayer, these things that, these little sacrifices that we have made that we want to offer up to God, all that is, is lifted up on the bed of our prayer that's essentially kind of culminated in the high priest Christ himself who, right. who intercedes on our behalf, right? So mm. we incense around the altar and on this bed of incense, the altar is like lifted up. Mm. I mean, all the stuff on the altar is lifted up to God, you know, in, in symbolically. And so I was like going around incensing altar. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like this is, it, it's so beautiful symbolically. And it, it just, it hit me again. It just reminds me like, this is what I should be reminded of every time.
0: Well, and we appreciate again that, that things can are, are both symbolic and efficacious. And you know, that's what's interesting mm-hmm. about the sacrament. Sometimes, you know, like, and obviously a, a common apologetic, point here is whether the eucharist is as Catholics believe it to be the the body and blood of christ you know taking him very seriously as his words in the gospel and, and the contention being no it's it's merely a symbol well, we wouldn't say that it's merely a symbol but we wouldn't say it's not a symbol either like there's there there is symbols throughout i mean the, the bread and the wine there's something symbolic about that certainly and there's something symbolic about mm-hmm. you know, the, you know the, the the incense and all that the interplay of these different symbols but it's also in this mysterious way, Christ does um, become the perfect sacrifice, mm-hmm. and He does give us uh, true food and true drink, as as He as He called us to, um, and that because of our participation in that, because our being united to that sacrifice to Christ um, in His sacrifice, that that all again all that other stuff in our life, uh, when we when we bring that in into that, when we bring that united with Christ, that it has meaning, it has purpose, it has power. Mm-hmm. You know, that our, our, our suffering for the gospel, you know, in, in the Beatitudes, you know, blessed is he or um, blessed are they who, who, who suffer. No, oh, what's the last Beatitude there? Who um, are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, you know. Uh, uh, when we experience persecution or difficulty or pain, um, we're blessed uh, to be able to unite that with Christ. And it has real sp- spiritual power. Like he really works through. Um, the things that we offer up. You know, and this is, this is a real common theme in, in Catholicism and I think it, it's because of our appreciation for the mass for the sacrifice there that everything else in our life, we Catholics throughout history have looked um, more expectantly, more intentionally at hey, all this can be offered up. I mean it's a, it's a Catholic phrase like offer it up. And it can be an easy way of sort of like dismissing somebody's difficulty they're going through. But mm-hmm. is there, it's a real – this is kind of what we're talking about today.
1: The, fun, the phrase offered yeah. up is really interesting because the way that people often will use it like that or the yeah. way that we sometimes perceive it is uh, compared to the way that it is supposed to be used and supposed to be received is yep. actually the exact contrast that you're talking about way at the beginning of this episode of, right. of the, the dialogue between kind of our efficacious actions versus – you know, basically the the efficaciousness of God through our prayers Mm -hmm. is that um, the false way of kind of saying offer it up is basically say that there's nothing you can do about it, so why not just, you know, offer it up? Mm -hmm. Like, you you don't have any control about it, so why don't you just kind of, like, set aside and stop caring about it? Like, you know, like, suck it up. You can't do anything about it, right?
0: (laughs) Or on the other hand, like, suck it up and just try harder. You know, that could be the opposite extreme, too. Right, right.
1: Yeah, I mean, that can't be. A lot yeah. of times when you say offered up, it's sort of the sense of like, well, like you we can't do anything. It's going to be there. So just, you know, try, try, to, try to bear it well, you know. And, yeah. and, and, and that's nice. Like, okay, that's, that's, but that's really the opposite. In the sense of that, it needs to start that if we have any sort of like pain and stuff, there's an opportunity there. It's mm-hmm. not just like a, well, this is the consolation prize if you can't do anything else about it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Uh, we should be able to... We should be able to offer a pain, even a pain and sickness, even as we try to treat it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's it's not about that, and it's it's not about just like as kind of a last resort. Then we sort of offer it up to God and ask Him to help us to bear it well. It's we do both simultaneously, but but that should be the starting point. Is that as you said, that's part of the beauty of the, of the of the reality of the cross is that Christ has transformed. Reality itself, such that we are actually able to do things like offer up our pain, mm-hmm. which would have been meaningless beforehand. There is right. no purpose to it. There is no good that can be brought about it. There is no redemptive aspect to it at all until Christ transformed it by His cross. Saint Paul writes later in
0: Ephesians, um, a little bit later from from where I read earlier, "Pray at all times in the Spirit." With all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that utterance may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Again, it's just—it's just so easy to read through those and be like, "Yeah, prayer is important," but like, do we really take seriously the power that is being proposed to us of our prayer? and of the, again, the things we can offer it up, the, the, either the things that we receive involuntarily, our, our pains and our difficulties and the, the, the circumstances of life that we, by turning to prayer, say, Lord, I give you this. I endure this with you and for you. You know, I, I offer up this, uh, this suffering. Just as you endured suffering somehow mystically as a sacrifice for me, I unite my suffering to you. So there's that offering up of the involuntary difficulties we suffer. There's also the offering up of, you know, like, um, as Catholics, you know, we try to fast from meat or something on Fridays as a as a small penance. Well, that we can offer up those those voluntary things we do, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 extra mile we we choose to go. And again, not not as a again precisely not as a greater reliance on our own ability. Right. It's a as a greater reliance on God's power in those things that i'm going to do this small thing this small mm. prayer this sm- offering up this small suffering or this small difficulty or this small act of penance or fasting because i'm looking expectantly to god for the increase i'm yes. looking to him for the power i'm looking to him to the healing now that doesn't mean we become inactive that doesn't mean we then we sit back and no like you know part of that expectancy is saying okay and i'm ready mm-hmm. For you to send me on whatever I need to do. Is there a conversation I need to have? Is there something I need to do? I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. But I think it just it strikes me what a difference it would make to put the spiritual power first, to take that seriously, that prayer the the expectant prayer and offering up in united united with Christ, putting that first and then acting in that context rather than the other way around, which is what it, I Think I do mostly in my life.
1: Mm-hmm. The church gives us uh, minimums, uh, gives us rules about minimums, not to basically set the standard as to like this is kind of this this is the this is what equals like a good Christian life or a good Catholic life. It sets the it sets standard minimums because. That both reminds us of the significance of the thing and reminds us to try to make, make our own kind of inroads into those things in a more consistent basis. So mm-hmm. um, the church asks us to go to confession at least once a year. Mm-hmm. The church asks us to receive the Eucharist at least once a year. Mm-hmm. We, just, we need to go to Mass every Sunday. Mm-hmm. But we have to receive the Eucharist at least once a year. There's reasons for kind of that distinction, of those two, But that's kind of the minimum, right? Mm-hmm. There's 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 reasons for those minimums, and they're not insignificant as minimums. But uh, and, and the church asks us to try to fast from meat or some other thing substitute for meat, even on Fridays outside of Lent. We right. often forget about that. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that the the church sets those minimums. Not because like, okay, that just, all right. So we have a checkbox of making sure we do that. You know, like, oh, on this date, last year, coming up in three weeks, I went to confession. So I need to go to confession now, between now and then that I'm good for oh, another my taxes are also due too. Oh, shit!
0: Add both those to the to-do list, right? Yeah,
1: maybe I can do them at the same time. <laughs> um, maybe my penance could be the, the taxes. So. <laughs> I offer up the taxes. I offer well, up the boy. taxes. So, <laughs> the government. <laughs> um, the point is that, those are there on one hand to to set the minimum you know so that we we do have a bit of a barometer, but not to set the end point of mm-hmm. where we should kind of be moving forward right because that can look that looks differently for different people's lives <laughs> um we often we kind of know that sort of instinctively with the Eucharist, mm-hmm. like we're all like, well, yeah, like we should obviously we should we should try to receive the Eucharist more than that, and we should, why would we not want to yeah, um fewer people maybe have a sense of that when it comes to confession but it's growing and, and more more people uh, who take their faith seriously recognize the power of that to receive confession more often but often we've forgotten even about the minimum when it comes to what the church asks of us when it comes to fasting right you know on Fridays um, and frankly that's just the minimum you know um, the idea of living trying to live kind of an intentional intentionally kind of penitential or aesthetic lifestyle yeah. that that actually incorporates a plan of fasting not just because like well we just need to fast from something you know like but yeah. but that there's there's a purpose to it you know for as Christ says you know for for driving out vice and demons in our life and yeah. in the lives of other people and and, and being a, a sacrificial offering that has redemptive and, and power of grace from Christ in their lives and that's
0: know? a fascinating thing here again what I, we've to, we've been talking about virtues we, we've been talking you know, because to some degree, like we have to focus practically on what do what do I actually do? I mean, get up in the morning, I have to do stuff. You know, um, I, I certainly I am relying on Christ, I'm relying on prayer, but I have to do stuff in my life. So there, you know, there we we have to talk about the practical. We have to talk about virtue. We have to talk about discernment, um, and we've talked a little bit about fasting and temperance and some of this self control type of stuff. But again, obviously, it's so easy when you think of something like fasting, which again, is very scriptural. To just think about even the practical aspects of it, like oh well, this will just help me get good at mm-hmm. self-denial, as if self-denial—the real power of self-denial—is the is purely the physical ability to self-deny. And mm-hmm. and again, I'm re- maybe this is evident to everybody else, but I'm reminding myself here this past week that whoa, whoa, whoa no—that's that's the least powerful mm-hmm. aspect of it. If I offer it, up, if I offer up. A bit of suffering. If I offer up a difficulty, or if I even if I voluntarily give up meat or mm-hmm. sodas today, or something like that, the real power of that is is what Christ can do with that spiritually. Just like again, I mean, if someone could would think about the could think of their prayer in that certain way. Like, again, as you were saying earlier, like I could think of the power of prayer being my repetition or my faithfulness to the prayer. Oh man, I get up every day and I pray, whatever. No, no, no. The power of prayer is what God's doing. It. I need mm-hmm. to go into prayer looking expectantly for what He's doing in these things, and maybe we would do them differently or more in a different way. Again, if we took that the spiritual power more seriously, um, you know, if we were in the in the I was another point here, just thinking about this in the context of community. You know, Saint Paul telling us to pray, to persevere in prayer and making supplication for the saints. What does it mean to make supplication for the saints? You know. What does it mean to do that to 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 persevere to put such a high point on that on the importance of that the power of that um how often do i hear the needs of the people around me and again i only look at those needs those problems through the lens of well can i give them some advice some wise counsel can i can i do something to fix their lives if not well then there's not much i can do about it rather than no no i'm called to pray and offer supplication and perhaps to fast or just in some other way Make sacrifices united with Christ for that intention and look to God expectantly. Lord, mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to fix this, but you can, and you, you'll you do something here. And it may or may not be that I can actually do something practically. Maybe I won't have a good word to speak. Maybe I won't be able to get involved. But the the, the powerful, perhaps the most important and powerful thing is that I make an intentional, conscious decision to, to pray and to offer for that intention. Mm-hmm. And like how, how differently you know, in our, you know, our community life, if we took this supplication for the saints seriously, if the needs of the people around me, I looked at them first and foremost as spiritual issues and I prayed and and, and sacrificed for them first and then was open to hopefully even more prudently and wisely and with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. able to then go about whatever actions I can do practically to help them. Um, a, a real relevant connection here to the Coming Home Network. And so a lot of the people that... Uh, are on some long journey of thinking about becoming Catholic, they find themselves, especially if they've got some connection to ministry, they find themselves in like, really impossible situations. Mm-hmm. Situations where, on the one hand, they're they they've become convicted that the Catholic Church is who she says she is, um, and they they're open to they want to become Catholic, but they have a spouse or a child, you know, that has wants nothing to do with it. It was very anti-Catholic, very mm-hmm. just very opposed to even having the conversation. Um, and we have some amazing, amazing people that we've we've talked with. Amazing people who have, you know, persevered patiently for a long time in prayer for that spouse, mm-hmm. and and have shared. I'm thinking of a lady in particular that comes back once in a while and gives us updates on the slow but sure ways that God is opening her husband to to a greater communication and mm-hmm. openness and intimacy in their relationship. And you know, will th- this side of heaven, will that culminate in him being open to and becoming Catholic? None of us know. Hmm. But the point is, is that she takes so seriously the power of her prayer. She doesn't despair because practically in the situation it just seems impossible. Mm-hmm. She perseveres in prayer and she watches expectantly for each new chink in the armor, each small way that God opens them up to greater uh, greater conversation, greater openness, and it's amazing to see. And again, it puts me to shame that I look at all the little things in in, in my life or the lives of the people around me, and I, the the power, the spiritual power, God's power, the power that He invites me to ask for in prayer, I do, I just don't take very seriously.
1: Well, and we're that manifests in our lives most significantly in exact in 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 the negative of exactly what you just said mm. of perseverance. Oh gosh! All the saints talk so much about the power, importance of perseverance in prayer. Mm-hmm. Scripture talks about the pers- importance of perseverance in prayer, of right. praying unceasingly for things, and um, so all these different things. And yeah. perseverance is one of the hardest parts of prayer. It's right. because when you don't see it doing anything, it's easy just to kind of in a false way, sort of entrusted to God entrusted to God by basically saying, all right, now I'm just, not gonna, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to think about it anymore. I'm not going to pray yeah. and ask for you it anymore. Cause it didn't seem like you're doing anything. And so I just yeah. assume that you are doing something else and that I don't need to worry about it anymore. I mm-hmm. don't need to pray for it anymore or ask you for it anymore or, or yeah, but that, and it's, it's hard to know exactly how to balance that because mm-hmm. of how many things we're often asked to pray for in yeah. our lives. Yeah. Um, but perseverance uh, is really important. <laughs> yeah, it really needs it to do, and we kind of do have to sort of discern how to how to figure that out in terms of well, how to balance yeah. it in your life. Well, but,
0: just like we have to, we have to discern how to balance the again the practical material yeah. responsibilities of our lives. You know, that's part of that discernment. There, I've got i got a million things I could be doing, but what God actually calling me to do? And yeah, in some sense with, with Prayer, there's there's a little of a hierarchy there, too. And, like, there's all kinds of things we could be praying about in the world. But God also has given me specific people. I mean, uh, honestly, Peter, like, one of the places where I'm most convicted in this, we've had a couple of family members, an extended family, die the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it, it raises that question. Like, I never considered their conversion to Jesus Christ a high priority practically because I couldn't think of a good way to bring up that conversation. They seemed so close to it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of something I could do. I was open to it, but I never considered it something I was called to care that much about because I couldn't see a practical way through it. I didn't. I, I never went into prayer expectantly saying, Lord, I'm going I'm to pray specifically for this person to, to come to know you, hmm. and I'm going to keep praying and offering for them and sacrificing for them until something happens. And again, can I do that for the whole world? Do I have enough time or energy or, or mental awareness to like, no, no, but God has given me specific people. He's given me a spouse and children and uh, you know family members that I'm close to, friends with problems in their lives. Those in a particular way mm-hmm. I'm called to be concerned for, those of the, the, the saints in a particular way I'm called to make, to persevere in in prayer and supplication for. And I don't do that consistently and expectantly. You bum. <laughs> <laughs> you you. <eat. laughs>
1: My brother, ladies and gentlemen,
0: <laughs> is the dumbest man. Piece of work, isn't he? Really, what a piece of work, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, that's how I've been feeling this week. It's just yeah. like I... I, I've been taking that itself to prayer. Like, Lord, I want to take this seriously. You call me to pray expectantly. You call me to ask, to seek, to knock. You tell me that some demons can't be driven out without prayer and fasting. And all the saints, and St. Saint Paul throughout the New Testament, you know, is calling us to prayer and persevere in prayer. But do I take steps to really take that seriously? You know, the next time I, I encounter a problem, you know, or I, I, I'm asking, what should I be concerned with today? What should I work at today? Do I take seriously what Christ has invited us to, which is to participate in um, in offering our lives, in offering our prayers to God, mm-hmm. expecting that God does things, that he will make a way, that he will heal, that he will convert, that he will help. Um, all those petitions in the Our Father, mm-hmm. you know, um, we, we pray in the Our Father, the petition, you know, that, um, hallowed be thy name and thy will be done and thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven but also give us this day our daily bread forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others So the deliver thing, us from right. evil you know the one, like thing,
1: we, the one thing we have to be careful of yeah. though too is also not to imagine somehow that that like God's effectiveness is going to be determined by kind of the fervor of our intentionality right. in the sense of yeah. like don't feel bad if, the, if someone has asked you to pray for them and like, in the last three weeks, like, they asked you to pray. They asked you to pray for them three weeks ago. In the last three weeks, four or five times, you've in times in prayer, you've been like, hmm. oh, you know that person asked me to pray for them and offer up to God. And, like, yeah. that's all you give, hmm. you know. You, you didn't fervently sweat over thinking about them as you were praying and everything. Right, that's not right. what we're talking about. No, no. And that's, frankly, like, in that little beautiful moment that you did that, you offered mm. up to God, that there's a gem right there. There's a yeah. real gem. And frankly, with the number of people that often ask us to pray for them, oftentimes it's all you can't give. And yet that is significant. And it's one of the things that dad kind of taught me to do, Mm. but I've also heard many, many times since, and it's something I try to do. Mm. It's actually in the prayer of preparation for that priest can pray before they pray the mass, Mm. Um, which is that you can offer up just everyone. You just mentally basically say, offer up to everyone that you have promised to pray for. Yeah. uh, and it's in the prayer, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a prayer that father Adam, who's the pastor of my church kind mm-hmm. of showed me in the back of the missile that I never was kind of taught to pray. And this is kind of an optional prayer of preparation for, mm, for the, uh, it's called the, um, statement of intention or something like that. Mm. But, um, but in it, yeah, you pray, pray for, uh, um, the whole, whole church and for all, all, of, uh, my gen- petitions, uh, petitions and, uh, in general and in particular and, yeah. Um, I try to make a kind of a mental uh, inclusion of of all of the people who have who I've promised to pray for, and in particular to offer that up to Christ. And there's a tr- there's there's a freedom in being able to say like. Yeah, it's not my kind of fervor of intention in this that's necessarily going to, like, that's really going to make the difference. You know, it is really Christ who's going to make the difference. And so I can't necessarily do more all the time, more than kind of just to make that mental, you know, that mental spiritual uniting of those intentions to Christ and then leaving it yeah. to Him. But, you know, I'm just basically faithfully trying to do that over and over again. Yeah. Um, practically speaking, one way that. I've seen um, that I see the Dominican sisters that are working at my parish who are awesome. Mm. Pretty sweet. I get to say Mass at their little convent chapel uh, during the school year. I get to say their Mass there with them every Monday. And usually I come away thinking, man, I really need to get my act together. So Because <laughs> they're just very holy people. Yeah. Um, but one of the cool things is they have kind of their own uh, little schedule for like a kind of weekly schedule, basically, of of sort of generalized uh, groups of people that Mm -hmm. they offer things up for on any given day. And so, like, Monday, you know, living and deceased uh, family members of the sisters, Mm -hmm. you know, Tuesday, uh, benefactors of their order, Mm -hmm. you know, Wednesday, et cetera. It's one of the things that we can do with our lives is basically kind of make a liturgical schedule. It's one of the ways that we allow the liturgy to basically kind of influence and inform our lives is to make a liturgical schedule of generalized groups of people um, to pray for. Yeah. It's kind of what we see in the liturgy every day. When, when you hear the—you may notice when we do like the prayers of the faithful, there's a pretty distinct kind of structuring of who— Pray for, even though it kind of changes a little bit, it always begins with the church and her leaders. It almost always is followed up with the leaders of nations throughout the world, you know, the gun and governments and stuff, mm-hmm. more particularized kind of groups of people who may be suffering. Uh, and then finally, like, uh, then moves, you can move usually kind of more particular in our community or in our particular, like, local church mm-hmm. um, to the dead. And then to the particular kind of pr- the particular intention of that mass right. or kind of a special intention for that mass, um, often paired with and any intentions that remain the silence of our hearts. But yeah. but there's that structure because there's the systematic gathering of different circles of people so that we kind of encompass everything. But in a more particular way, we can do that on kind of a weekly basis. So yeah. if I was to say, OK. I need to do this, honestly, in my life. And I I do it in some kind of way, but I need to be a bit more intentional about it. But if on Mondays, every Monday, I prayed for all my family. You know, that was my particular intention that day. I'm making an offering, some sort of special offering and prayer that day. And on Tuesday, I prayed for... You know, in particular for all the prisoners at my church, and on thir- you know, on Wednesday I prayed for you know all kind of past friends who have asked me to pray for them. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, and just try these six, these consistent circles so that everyone is, in a sense, remembered, yeah. even if it's only kind of abstractly, mm-hmm. all those people there, so that there's some perseverance in my offerings for them. Yeah, you know? Well, I think it, it,
0: the notion of getting really so the these the, general categories and groups pairing that with um, again taking more seriously I think the like the really specific intentional prayer I think one of the things at least again what has happened to me this past week is as I reflect on the how I fail to be perseverant and specific in prayer and as I try to take that to heart and think through it and practice it that's made me go back to those more general intentions say it, with a different heart in the sense mm-hmm. of I'm I'm really choosing to take seriously that these prayers are powerful that God does something with this that the prayers of the saints mm-hmm. you know as it says in scripture that they're, they're powerful they do something and not because of them but because of Christ because of what he does what he, what he chooses to do how he chooses to to draw us in and uh, invite us to be part of of his saving work and so uh, that's another angle of this which is just like prayer is powerful and God does things. And I think he will show up if we pray more specifically for uh, the things that we're concerned about, but it also changes us. Like it changes the way we think about our lives and and what's going on in them and how we respond to them. Um, we're always trying to fight this bad habit of, of ending up back just relying on ourselves just as much as we ever have, rather than um, relying more on God, making more of a habit of turning to him and, and seeing him as the, the source of of grace and of change and of conversion. And so I it, 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 you made me think about that earlier the law of prayer is the law of belief the le- le- lex orandi lex credendi. Well, if we can't if we don't um Christ calls us to have greater faith well maybe the the way we have greater faith is by practicing that in prayer. Practicing putting that faith in in his power. So mm-hmm. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, this week's discussion on Deep in Christ with Father Peter Grodi on spiritual warfare and battle and the power of prayer. You know, in the Coming Home Network, we put a high priority on on inviting people to share their prayer requests with us, and we, we pray for them as a team uh, every day here at the Coming Home Network. Um, and I just, you know, I hope that you have been reminded and you've been renewed in your sense of the power of prayer through this discussion. You know, I think it was, it was really helpful to me to, to think back through it uh, it's so easy to talk about the power of prayer, the power of sacrifices united with Christ. You know, He invites us to to uh, pick up our cross and follow Him, to unite our suffering, our difficulty with Him, and that there's great power in that. That if we seek and we knock, that the door will be open to us. Um, but it's just interesting to recognize that in so many ways we got to keep turning our instincts around, retraining ourselves to really take that seriously in our habits and our actions in the way that we, we go about uh, addressing problems in our life or fixing things that need fixed or, or doing the good works that God calls us to, but also even in our, in the lens with which we evaluate those things. Are we evaluating them pr- primarily in terms of our own efforts, our own abilities, our own, our own ability to, to already see a solution to the problem, or are we evaluating them in terms of Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? What, with your power, and I'll cooperate in whatever ways that you want me to cooperate with, what do you want to do in this situation? What do you want to fix? Um, and uniting ourselves to that in, in whatever way we can. Again, sometimes the only way that we can uh, address a problem is through prayer and, and our, our offering. Uh, but even when we can't, even when we can see a solution or at least see the next step, how often is that our invitation to simply uh, set prayer aside? Because I've got this, God. Rather than staying um, just steeped in prayer in our lives. And again, so in the in the context of the Coming Home Network International, we have lots of people who are at difficult places in their spiritual journeys. You know, they've been convicted that they they need to leave their ministry or or, or maybe they're not quite ready to become Catholic yet, but they're they're at least convinced that they have to, to dig deeper and, and maybe find uh, the truth about their the Christian faith, some, the truth about some theological problem that they've been wrestling with or some doctrine that they realize now they maybe haven't understood properly. Wherever they are in their journey, wherever you are in your journey, you know, we face these struggles um, and we certainly, we're praying about them and we're inviting others to pray for, pray for them uh, and I hope that you can continue to do so, but as a community, let's lean more into those prayers. You know, let's, let's give God more trust. Let's give him, uh, let, let's trust in his promises even more than we have, that he does have a plan. He does have a purpose and that our prayers united with him and our, our sufferings united with him have great power uh, because, of his, because of his sacrifice. Uh, so again, I hope that was a helpful reminder to you. It was good for me to talk to Father Peter. Iron out those thoughts a little bit. Uh, and again, I just hope that it was uh, edifying to you in some way. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Deep in Christ. Uh, as always, if you are someone who's thinking about becoming Catholic or asking questions, or maybe you're, you're new to the Catholic Church, you, you've joined, but you're, you're trying to find your place, trying to learn, learn the ropes a little bit, hey, this is your community. This network is your network, the Coming Home Network. Please go to chnetwork.org, check out the resources there, join the community, the online community, you know, where there's a whole bunch of people just like you who are walking this journey together. Thanks again for joining us. Talk to you next week. God bless.